Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is. Although uh, don't blame World Football Index for the late delay. Blame me as always. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the man you can blame, Frank Crivello, that is me. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing on this uh, technical difficulty Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey. Top of um, Tuesday is coming up. <laughs> Why not? It must be must be Tuesdays when my computer decides to act up. I'm trying to get into the stream yard, but then my camera's not turned on. And it's just like, what the hell is going on here? Um, but, uh, you know, people smarter than me uh, make these things. And uh, and I did nothing to malfunction them, not on purpose. So um, but uh, but we but but it is what it is. How about yourself? How are you? I'm doing well. A lot of uh, a lot of culture this weekend. Strange weekend uh, for sure. A lot of goalless draws, but um, yeah, what I'm the doing hell well. Did, what the know. hell did they do with all the goals? I don't know. And uh, you know, just a preview for the next episode uh, for all those who who say we're not really Juventini supporters, and I mean we're not. Uh, we are going to bring out one of the you know the best Juventini supporters you know around. Uh, awesome content on YouTube. Of course, we're talking just Juve. We're talking Giuseppe. We'll be on with him uh, next Thursday, so stay tuned for that episode because we're going to deep dive into Juventus, uh, much deserved for the reigning champions. 18 goals this weekend. That's it. Usually, that's a, a Sassuolo game. Yeah, that's yeah, that's usually you know, a couple of, or a couple of Sassuolo games or a couple of Atalanta games. We had 18 goals total this weekend. I don't, I, I couldn't even pick a, a top five. Um, it was difficult. It was yeah. difficult, but I found, yeah. I found one. I found okay. something. Okay, well then you're going to be the only top five because I just I've got Mkhitaryan's third goal and I think that's just that's generally it. Caicedo's uh, Caicedo's equalizer probably those 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 are my two goals of the week. So okay, okay. Um, you know, so I will not have a top five uh, right. this time around. So we will uh, spend this edition of Serie A sit down going over a little bit of news uh, and then recapping. Um, the uh everything that was in match day seven uh and then finish it off of course with everybody's uh favorite contest who won calcio twitter we've got some beauties up there this week um we probably have a clubhouse favorite going in for the first time but uh we're going to read all of them and give everybody their fair share so uh we'll go from there now i have been trying to do some digging because i only learned about this about 24 hours ago richard um and uh, it is. It seems to me that uh, there are some players that are not being released from their club teams uh, to go and play for their national teams during this upcoming break as a result of some COVID outbreaks within some clubs. Yep. Um, Aiden Jacko tested positive for Roma, and uh, Jose Callejon tested positive for Fiorentina. Um, there's a lot of fallout with this. Um, and uh, I guess what the clubs or I guess what, you know, either Serie A or officials in Italy are saying, because of those close contact exposures, uh, the players are not going to be permitted to travel uh, to play for their national teams. Um, the biggest winner in all of this might be Inter, although I don't think Inter is affected in any of this. I think that their players can go. But originally, um, that was another interesting soap opera on to, off to the side. Uh, Lukaku's hurt. Belgium calls him up anyway. Um, the inter, uh, officials there had plenty to say about that. 
Um, but just to kind of just to kind of break this in, you look at Roma right now, um, and this was as of Sunday. They were discussing um, uh, Gianluca Mancini, Leonardo Spinazzola, Brian Cristante, and Lorenzo Pellegrini, all for Italy. Uh, not permitted to uh, train with Italy. Mirash Kambula for Albania, Guitarian for Armenia, and then Ibanez of Brazil. They were all called up, and from what I understand, I don't know if any of them have joined their uh, their teams, uh, their national teams or not. Um, another one that I've uh, seen here is that the Serbian FA are trying to get, um, and it doesn't. It actually looks like they did have them. It sounds like uh, Dusan Vlaovic and Nikola Milenkovic broke travel ban orders uh, to join the, join up with their national teams. And Serbia is the Serbian FA is offering to pay any fines, uh, you know, that are going with that. Um, and there's a handful of other teams that are impacted by this, not just, um, you know, Roman Fiorentina. I was reading that Sassuolo. I was reading Udinese. Uh, also, uh, you know, their players are not permitted. Uh, you know, cl- you know. first and foremost, this this affects the Italian national team because you're already talking about some players that are missing to begin with, and now you got players that aren't going to be allowed to travel with the team. We're one, we no wonder why uh, – Roberto Mancini called up 41 players. He pretty much called up all of Serie A, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, they had to call backups because of a situation like this where guys, you know, couldn't be able to play because of the COVID situation. Um, for and you can understand why their Serie A is trying to hold back some of the players from traveling so much because it was such a bad, it was, they hit, it got hit so hard. Uh, Italy did uh, during the first wave of this pandemic. And now the second wave has started already. And uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of the cities are shutting down again. And, all through Europe as well, and so it, it, they're they're scared at this moment. They they don't want to sp- the risk spreading anything further than they have to. So I can see why they're doing this, but it's putting a a boatload of uh, of, of stress along for the national teams for all the national teams, not only the Azzurri. Uh, and that's why you know you see forty one players being called up for for um, for Mancini's team. I'm surprised you didn't get a call up in this one, but yeah, it's it's a little crazy times right now, and we'll we don't know who's going to be playing for sure. I mean, I'm sure the next days unravel before the first game. Uh, we're going to start hearing more and more players that are possibly going to have to sit out, you know, before the before the games. Yeah, and I'm not seeing a whole lot here in Gazeta. Uh, what I did read was just kind of some, uh, you know, global stuff that was going on. Um, I'm not seeing a whole lot beyond that. Uh, it's um, you know, th- those were some of the stories, but it's it's very very interesting how this is getting handled. I mean, we've we've seen a little bit chat. Anybody that has any details on this, we'd love to uh, hear from you if you can provide it. Um, you know, but this is also on the heels of just you know listening to uh, counterattack on Sirius XMFC. They were talking about this as well. Um, and again, Italy's concerns are close contact exposures, you know, and not risking those players and possibly ending up having a positive and going to their national teams and infecting the national teams. Uh, you know, across Europe and across the world. So, um, you know, I think that the, my general opinion about this is that I, you know, the, the national teams are trying to play games here. Okay. And they're trying to get games in and they're trying to get, you know, nations league. There's some critical, um, uh, qualifiers yet qualifying playoffs for Euro 2020, which is Euro 2021. Um, so, you know, I'm conflicted on this. You know, I think player safety should be of the utmost importance here, but then UEFA is also trying to punch a clock 
um, you know, it's it's awfully strange. I think I want to err on the side of of, of supporting the, the players and ensuring their safety. Now, the players will tell you that, hey, we're fine. You know, in the case of Vlaovic and Milenkovic, we're fine. <laughs> we're going to go play for our national team. We're fine. We're not we're not positive. We've tested negative all along. It's just one of our teammates. We haven't tested positive yet, so uh, we will go and make the trip. It sounds like England is forcing 14-day quarantines for anybody that goes outside of the country, so it sounds like it's a real mess there. I don't know how these national teams look yet. It's just one of those things that I haven't had a chance to dive into. Yeah, and I think you know the whole thing with each each of these leagues and each of these tournaments are all run by different people, so everyone mm-hmm. has their, their best interest in heart, and so it affects everybody else. So if one, one group was, uh, you know dictating Syria and, and euros and everything else it'd be different you said you, they could look at the best you know the best interest overall but they're not so city is looking out for themselves uefa is obviously looking out for themselves and so on and so forth and it's going to be a, it's going to be um a bag of shit basically because er, n- nobody knows what's going to go on here and, and people are going to you know like you said are going to you know start forcing these teams to call up their players and you know like i said maybe they'll start paying some fines like serbia is going to be doing and um, just to get some games in, because there are some key games that, to be played, and that is the downside of having the Nations League and all these Euro, Euro qualifiers. You know, we'll see how bad this you know second wave gets, because maybe they postpone the tournament again. Hopefully not. Uh, but I mean, safety is most important out of, out of everything, so uh, we'll see. It's right now. It's just going to be chaotic, especially uh, these games for the this this uh, international break here. And uh, once this goes through, maybe we get a little bit under a better understanding of how to approach the next international break. Who knows? But um, yeah, it's it's not an easy thing at the moment. I'm uh, reading this. This is from the New York Times. Uh, this is another article. They're they're talking about soccer battle looming over national team games. Um, with many countries enduring a second wave of infections, concerns over releasing players for cross-continental travel has become heightened, with some clubs now considering the possibility re- of refusing to release their athletes during a window set aside for national team games including some qualification games for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Um, Failure to release players would set the scene for a major showdown between soccer's global and regional governing bodies and the teams that pay the players' salaries. Such a confrontation could raise the stakes of what has already been a bitter years-long battle between clubs and FIFA over the international match calendar and the mandatory release of players for national team action. Um and it was actually Major League Soccer on Friday becoming the first group to block the release of some of its players for international duty. Um, you know, I guess what we're going to probably, I, I guess to wrap this, Richard, um, this is ugly. Yeah. Um, it yeah. really is. And um, it's uh, it's not going to get uh, any prettier uh, here at this point. Uh, we'll have to see if, you know, national teams or if governing bodies and clubs start coming together to some sort of consensus for how this is going to get managed. Yeah, uh, I agree 100. percent And it's uh, it's uh, I'm gonna have to you know we're have to watch and see how it unfolds over this weekend uh, or this you know next week and a half, and uh, maybe they can get a better judgment of how they do the next break. But uh, yeah, it's not gonna be uh, pretty by any stretch. All right, moving on. More news. Uh, Napoli, uh, their appeal uh, for reversing or not reversing, nullifying uh, Juventus's three nil forfeit decision win over them with Napoli. Uh, also losing a point was rejected, um, but uh, Napoli not giving up. Uh, De Laurentiis is going to follow every legal avenue, um, saying uh, that the criticism of their conduct is unacceptable. <laughs> I actually say this. 
Um, I somebody has to come to their senses and figure out how to reverse this. Okay. Yeah. Napoli made a safe decision and they're being punished for it. And we've been saying this over and over and over again, you know, and if there's an agenda for um, Lega Calcio to go out of their way to give Juventus a 10th consecutive Scudetto, this is a very, very shameful way to approach it. Um, they, you know, they did the right thing. And then their own, their own, you know, their own, uh, local ordinance wouldn't allow them to travel anyway. So at that point, you've got to make a decision. Um, at this point, you got to make a decision and you've got to exercise common sense or you've got to basically exercise, you know, what the, the government is saying here, what that local government is saying here and say, all right, they're not traveling. We're going to have to figure out when else to play this. And I think this is going to get to a point where between this, between the national team stuff, trying to figure out when to play all of these games is just going to be a complete disaster. And, you know, no, whatever decision is going to get made, the players are going to get screwed here. I think so. Uh, and it's, it's not looking good with Serie A. I mean, obviously, uh, they're not the, Napoli aren't the only team to uh, be facing a penalty like this. Uh, Roma obviously uh, fell at the hands of a Verona with the decision as well. But yeah, with Napoli, it's uh, again, it's, it's different authorities, you know, try to impose their will. And, you know, Serie A said, this is what we're going to do before the season. And you all are going to agree to it. And then, you know, I guess, actually, I don't know what the what, what the whole deal is. I know what Serie A says, and I know what the local authorities say, but who has Serie A saying they have overrule over anybody? And then, obviously, Italy has been like, no, we're, we're, the, we're the major decider here. So who, someone's got to give there. And yeah. if it's if the case is, it's whoever, I mean, you're right. Somebody has to figure this shit out and, and ch- overturn it. Or, you know, I don't know. It's it's confusing. It's it's unfortunate that you know a game as big as you know Juventus Napoli we're not going to get to see until the second half of the season. Um, sure, you Juve probably needed that three points right there that they got. Um, and mm-hmm. Napoli, you know, Napoli would probably you know top two right now if it wasn't for that. So who knows? Possibly. So it's it's sure. it's a mess. Uh, whether you know, no matter what you believe in, it it's a it's a disaster, and they need to figure this out. Um, they're making uh, VAR look good at the moment. So. Yeah, it's a head scratcher, man. Head scratcher. Yeah, it definitely is. And um, you know, so, you know, something's got to get sorted out here. Um, you know, and 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 in De Laurentiis's words, you know, the league is basically delegitimizing local and and, and government authorities, um, or the authority of uh, regional health associations. Uh, you know, by by doing this. Uh, it looks like they're going to take the step now of going to the uh, Colegio di Garanzia dello Sport of the CONI, um, which is a apparently a higher sporting court, uh, you know, and I think, you know, that's going to be the next step. Hopefully um, it will uh, it will de- a determination and somebody in there will exercise some common sense. Yeah, if they hold if they, if they hold us up, you know, it's just going to tell the uh, city teams, you know. Forget COVID, just do what City says. And if you know, if you want to make sure you don't get, you know, a three-game forfeit or a three-game three points loss and a, or a loss and a point deduction, then you better show up to your game no matter what, no matter what the local authorities say. So they need to figure this out. Seriously. Yep. Beppe yep. um, uh, Iacchini will not be eating panettone at Fiorentina. No panettone. No panettone for you. And uh Let's see. There's Maximiliano Allegri. There's Maurizio Sarri, who everybody was clamoring for to uh, take these take the reins here at Fiorentina. But who does Ro- Rocco Comiso digs up 
Cesare Prandelli. <laughs> I guess it's better than Ventura. I, I, it's not a bad, it's not a bad signing, but I think it would have been nice to see, you know, someone not come back, you know, uh, someone like an old face. I mean, it's better, not, better than Montella, right? We yeah. want to see Montella for a third time. But there's some other names, you know, maybe take a chance on Saudi. Really, you know, maybe, you know, if Comiso really, you know, stuck his head out and really try to get someone who could, uh, you know, not only Spalletti. attract attention, Spalletti, someone who, who plays well, can get the team to play attractive and be a contender automatically for a Euro European spot, meaning mm-hmm. the, the le- levels will be raised automatically. Prandelli, he's done some good. He's done some bad. It's just it's just a good good home good story for for the viola and I don't know about it. I mean, it could be it couldn't end working. It could. He's done well in the past there, but I'm not so sure about this, Frank. How about you? Um, it's going to be interesting. It looks like he's going to go back to a four-man defense. He's going to go to either a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. You know, a 4-2-3-1 with Castrovilli playing behind the striker is very appealing. Uh, this would put Ribery and, and Callejon flanking in all likelihood to San Vlaovic. That's uh, definitely got some promise there. Um, I think that you have Kwame who can come on as a second striker. Cesare Prandelli, and this is all uh, found on uh, Football Italia's article. Um, Prandelli has said that Amrabat's not a playmaker. And he said, while well, I trained Christian Kwame in Genoa, he is not a center forward. So Kwame... Feels like a second striker that could come on in the game. Amrabat could be part of a double pivot, uh, or he could be the the center of a three man midfield, uh, depending on how okay. uh, Prandelli pieces this together. So um, I think those things right off the bat are uh, some positive signs. Uh, this pot- potentially hurts them defensively um, with asking Cristiano Beraghi now to be a left back instead of a left wing back. Um, I think, uh, you know, he's for all of the crossing in the world he can do. And they really can't defend a whole lot worse. I mean, they've get only, they gave up 12 goals in their first seven games, um, which when you look at it, there are teams around them that have given up much, much more. Uh, but there's potential for Biragi to be a little bit more of a defensive liability in Pandelli's setup. So uh, there's going to be some, you know, interesting pieces. There's going to be some interesting movement here with – uh, with what with what to what to do here, but I would probably favor uh, with a, a Prandelli is a four three three. I think a three man midfield of Amrabat in front of the back four and flanked by Castrovilli and Bonaventura, uh, and then you can play Callejon and Ribery high or flanking Vlaovic. I think that's a good way to go um, because now you bring now you've got some midfield players that can help Biragi and provide some cover. The center backs don't have to worry about coming over and providing some support. I think that that's a system that might work a little bit better with the existing pieces in, in house. Um, you have a good center central defender in Milenkovic. You have a good goalkeeper in Dragovsky. Um, so the pieces are there to do a little bit better than they're doing right now. Uh, are they a team that can, can Prandelli take this team to a European place? No, uh, but certainly can be an improvement on the, table position that they're in right now they're currently 12th it, you know they've got the quality in their team to be eighth ninth in that in that neighborhood and let's see if Prandelli can get it out of them yeah it'll be interesting to see I think if you know if they are going to that four-man defense I think you know like what you mentioned about Biragi I think to help him out so maybe to so he's able to push up I think he should go to like maybe a four two three one to have that double pivot giving you know, I think I put Amrabat in one of those holding positions. At least he has a little bit more freedom to go up if he wants, because he mm-hmm. he can. I know Prandelli says he's not attacking midfielder, but he has those qualities. He is a good playmaker, I think. 
Um, and then and then you can have three attacking midfielders up front, uh, whether that's you know Bonaventura's in that mix or or uh, Kuame or Ribery or whoever Callejon. You have some options at that point, I think, and uh, it'll help more offensively. We need to get whatever gets Vlahovic going and scoring goals is what Fiorentina needs. And I think they, like you said, we need they need to look out for Biragi too because him contributing offensively is going to help them. It can only help them. But if you give him more defensive responsibilities, that's going to you know negate that. And I think having a double pivot may help him out, especially defensively if that's an issue. Uh, that two more midfielders there to help out in front of the the back four will help immensely, I think. But I mean, we'll wait and see. Uh, Prandelli. Has done some good things tactically in the past, uh, not only for uh, the Azzurri, but also with the Viola, La Viola. So, uh, and even Genoa to an extent. And so, um, yeah, uh, I'm curious to see the first game and how it, it pans out after the break. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely watch in their first game. I mean, they obviously have a stud goalkeeper in Dragowski. I mean, Linkovic is someone who we all uh, we all we all like a lot. So uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, hopefully, they improve. That's the main thing. Yep. I mean, it's it's. Uh... I think where they've got to improve is figuring out how to score goals. They only have seven through their first seven games. Um, With the playmakers that they have in place, with the guys that can provide service, that's criminal. And you may not even see Vlaovic. You may see Kutroni. Um, So we'll see what Prandelli cooks up for his first game uh, in charge um, with La Viola. So those were the uh, news and notes. Um, Let's get into the games. Want to get us started? Yeah, why not? Uh, so let's see. Uh, the game started off with uh, the first game, which uh, looked to be a game that could have been very fun to watch. Uh, Sassuolo against Udinese, uh, two teams who can score a lot of goals. We know Sassuolo can score goals. They give up a lot of goals. I would have bet my house that go- goals would have been scored in this game, and I would have lost that house because the game ended 0-0. Of all the 0-0 games we had this weekend, this may have been one of the boring, more boring ones, honestly. Uh, obviously, Sassuolo did what they had. They they, they they had more possession, but, you know, both teams, they had some opportunities here and there, but uh, it really wasn't at all entertaining to me, Frank. Uh, I don't know how you felt about it, but 0-0 this game ends. Um, a very uh, unfortunate game because we all are expecting a lot of goals in that one for the game on uh, on the uh, on the 6th. Uh, so then moving on, uh, Cagliari hosting Sampdoria. Uh, the hosts actually would get off in the scoring uh, early in the second half, a penalty uh, that Jao Pedro would convert, make it one uh, nothing in the 48th minute, and then uh, about 21 minutes later, uh, Nahita Nandez, uh, a wonderful breakaway type goal, evades uh, two defenders, gets a goal past the past the keeper, goal of the week candidate there. Cagliari win two nothing at home, a uh, surprising win against Sampdoria. Not that it's a surprising that Cagliari wins at home, but Sampdoria has been good as of late. So uh, a nice win by uh, EDF and his team uh, to get that the win at home. Uh, moving to the bottom feeders, Benevento and Spezia. Uh, this game was interesting to me. I thought maybe this is a game that Benevento could have really put a foothold on the relegation fight and, and assert themselves as one of the teams that should be coming out of it. They didn't fare so well in this one. Uh, goal scoring started early in the 29th minute. Goal of the week candidate, Pobega, with a nice volley off the cross. Uh, makes it one nothing, and that, that's the, how the score would go going into halftime. Coming out in the second half, Enzola uh, uh, gets on the score sheet finally for Spezia. Two goals in a matter of five minutes, first in the 65th minute and then in the 70th minute. Uh, Poacher-type goals are there for him. Uh, 3 nothing. Spezia win on the road. A big three points uh, with relegation teams in a fight there. Uh, another nil-nil game coming up here. Parma hosting Fiorentina, but this game was a lot more interesting than the Sassuolo-Udinese matchup. Uh, both teams taking their opportunities. Uh, a lot of good chances going both ways. Dragowski was big. Excuse me, Sepe was big as well. 
um, for a 0-0 game. This is one of the more entertaining ones that you'll see. Uh, but nonetheless, no goals were had, so 0-0 there. One of the games of the weekend that people were looking at, one of the, I guess, probably two big games that people were looking at. Um, this will be the last of my batch. Uh, Lazio hosting Juventus, Frank. Uh, this one is uh, this one is an interesting one for sure. Um, goal scoring started early in the 15th minute. Of course, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, finds a way to get on the end of a cross right there on the goal line, makes it one nothing, and it looked like uh, Juventus were going to find a way to to get all three points. You know, one nothing scoreline will hold up through halftime, hold up through most of the second half, and then we're in stoppage time. Obviously, Immobile is not playing with the team due to COVID, and some other big players are missing, but they still had uh, their Mr. Clutch, uh, probably their best clutch player on the team. Caicedo comes on late. Uh, the whole play starts really uh, in the fifth minute of stoppage time when Joaquin Correa makes a beautiful move around two players, Cuadrado and, um, and Frabota. What they were doing, I don't know, but he gets by them easily. Slips over pass to Caicedo. Caicedo with a quick turn, gets a goal right past the keeper. 1-1, one, one late dramatics there by Lazio. They level it up, Frank. Uh, goal of the week candidate there. Let's stick with this game. This was a, an interesting game because both teams thought they could make a statement in this one. Uh, Juve got out the early lead, but uh, they could not hold on uh, with a, with that late goal by Caicedo. Okay, so I appeared on Man of the Match on again on Friday with Alex Donnell. And every single prediction, I, I, I had four or five different predictions and they were all wrong. That's... <laughs> That's, uh, you know, and I'm not sitting here saying that uh, I, I'm I'm perfect, uh, but I think the five predictions that I made were all safe and none of them happened. I mean, but, you know, as it pertains to the Lazio Juve, the prediction I had here is that I thought that um, Juve would have the resources to just hunker down and get three points in this game. And they weren't going to overwhelm. They weren't going to flatter anybody with the way they played it was just going to be all about getting the three points and they almost did until the last kick of the game yeah so it's fairly even game too statistically too so um yeah. but yeah I, I was expecting a lot more from juventus in this one especially with all the key players missing for for lazio but lazio to their credit like and i've been saying this since the beginning of the season is that lazio has faced a lot of adversity more than they have faced in probably the last three four years combined and it's starting to pay off because they're finding ways now. They're being resourceful and finding ways to get these these results. Uh, and Caicedo, and I'm gonna say it again and again, but he is their best clutch player on this team, and he does it again with another late goal by them, a yeah. huge goal by them. But Correa has got to be the, the the man of that play because the way he went around Cuadrado and Frabota, who were lazy on that play, uh, was pretty pitiful. Yeah, um, excellent piece of individual work there, and then uh, just. Caicedo doing really, really what you have to do as a striker in that situation. It's a half chance at best. Yep. But that you know, in that moment, you got to take it. Um, you never know what's going to happen, and uh, you know, and I think that that's what he did. And, and you know, Lazio have just found ways to. They just, you know, without trying to be disrespectful to Lazio supporters and and and, and the like, I just. They're finding ways to do it. I think right now I'm trying to decide is finding ways good enough for them. Eventually everybody comes back and they can come back and dominate. And the other end, I don't think they're really built to dominate anybody. I think they're built to 
you know, organize themselves a little bit, take advantage of some situations and take advantage of some mistakes that the other team's going to make and pounce and go the other way. Um, and that's what they've been doing. They did it in the Champions League. They did it here against Juve. Um, but on the other end, I feel like Lazio is just a team that's begging to be tagged at some point. Um, you know, it's Atalanta did it to them earlier in the season already, beating them 4-1. Um, sorry, George, I must have, uh, my, my internet, uh, and computer problems must have just carried over to you. So yeah, yeah. it spreads, I guess, but what are you going to do? So just another example where Lazio just find a way to get a point perfectly going to be perfectly happy with it, considering it came against Juve. And, uh, and like I said, I think that I, you know, and I like what Anthony's saying here. I'm in that camp. I think they're just going to get tagged at some point. Um, they're going to, you know, and and I, I don't have them. I, I just, I don't, I think they're the team that's out of the European picture next year at the expense of Sassuolo. Now, while I don't disagree about that part, because I think there's so many good teams at the top that they're not quite there yet. And maybe they get hot and who knows. But normally in most circumstances, I would agree with you and Anthony that, you know, they crash and burn every season because they do. Uh, but I think a lot, a big part of that is that they haven't faced much adversity. And I think having that adversity in the beginning, much like Juve has done in the past, not saying that they're Juve from the past, but Juve has found ways to, to get results. And then at the end of the season, they get hot and then they pull away from the league. I'm not mm. saying Lazio are going to do that, but I do think this could be a good thing for Lazio because uh, it, it, it'll maybe, maybe prevent them from crashing and burning at the end of the season. It doesn't mean they're going to be Champions League contenders or anything like that. I, I agree with you that there's so many good teams up top that. Europa League is going to be difficult to attain, obtain this year. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a bittersweet thing, I guess you want to tell. It's a, a nice pat on the back for Lazio that you know, hey, this is good for you, but yeah, you're going to struggle this year. Yeah, um, it's uh, but it's amazing the job that Simone Inzaghi has done this oh, early in the absolutely. season with the rash of absences, COVID injuries, all this other stuff, and still finding ways to just get points and keep on ticking. They're hanging around, you know, and, and we'll see what they are as the season stretches on. I don't think um, this is a bad result for Juventus either. You know, yeah, they lost it late, but, you know, considering what they had, and I mean, they, they, I think they messed around with the lineups as well. Yeah, they could do some things to make sure that they finish off the games. You know, if this is a Ligry team in the past, it would have been done. But they, they got some learning to do defensively, especially late in games and tight games that they, they couldn't do under Saudi. So I'm not, I'm not worried about them. Right now, I still think they're in the mix uh, for you know not only Champions League but also for the for the top spot as well. But um, it's just something they need to work on. Obviously, having Ronaldo back is going to help a lot. So yeah, and Ronaldo had one in the f- first half where he hit the woodwork, and you bank on him yeah. scoring that ninety nine times out of a hundred. That just happened to be the one time. Yep. So um, you know, so it's uh, you know, as for Juve, I think just I think they're unlucky to come out of there because I think they played for all right. We got one, and we. If All we close needed. the spaces, if we limit them, then then one's enough. Let's get the three points and run. And, uh, you know, and they almost pulled it off. So I, I don't mind what Juve tried to do. In fact, it's what I expected them to do in this game. Yep. Um, you know, I think that as they gravitate toward playing a more attractive game and doing the things that Pirlo appear to be doing, they still can revert back to doing this. It's much like a couple of years ago when Ancelotti was managing Napoli. Ancelotti had a more rigid way he wanted to play with this team, but didn't care 
that they would take it upon themselves to just go ahead and turn it loose and play Saudi ball if they needed to get a result doing it that way. Yep. You know, it's kind of the reverse this way with Pirlo. It's like, all right, he wants to keep possession. He wants a lot of quick passing, quick, you know, create a lot of chances. Um, but he won't mind if that team out there looks at each other and says, hey, we got one, one's enough with the experience that we have to get through this game and get the three points and get out of there. So it's, it's reverse in that sense, but it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same approach. It's, it's, it's the players as professionals taking it upon themselves to, you know, draw on their own experiences to, to find the way to win. So, um, you know, looking at some of these other ones, uh, Fiorentina, I mean, that's why that's the nail on the coffin. Yakini getting sacked because he couldn't score on a, on a Leverani managed team. Exactly. And it's just really what it is. It's just Deserved to be. Everybody else is scoring on Parma. He can't figure out how to score on Parma. Yeah, he should be sacked. Um, Spezia overwhelmed Benevento. Uh, oh, Vega continues to impress. Uh, you know, goal last week and go, you know, goal again. Nice goal this week. Uh, yeah, Spezia's finding ways to get results, and uh, they're uh, they're uh, they're starting to pull away ever so slightly. There's a big three points that they leapfrog Benevento in this one. And that's how good and deep Milan's midfield are that they didn't have room for Pobega. They've got him on loan there at Spezia. So it's anytime Pobega's uh, going to pop up and uh, and play well as a Milanese, uh, I'm going to be very happy. So oh, yeah. um, Cagliari, uh, opportunistic early red card there on Ogello, and I thought that that was the correct decision. Uh, I agree. Initially was a initially was a yellow. Uh, went to uh, went to VAR, became a red. Um, and that's now three out of four for Cagliari um, in the uh, in the in Serie A. They also have a Coppa Italia win over Cremonese. Um, so in all comps, uh, five out of six, five wins in six. Uh, so you see things starting to take shape with this Cagliari team. Getting that mo, getting the momentum. Yeah, definitely. Um, now they travel to Juve when we come back from the break on the twenty first. So we'll see if that momentum sticks. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be challenging for them largely because I, I still think that they struggle in, in away matches. They did win three, two at Torino. Um, but they got, they got spanked five, two, uh, at Atalanta. Um, but you look at some of these successes and some of these wins, they were at home, uh, at home against Samp at home against Crotone. We've talked about this. Cali is a very good team on the Island. Yeah. Uh, when they get off the Island, there's issues. They lose three, two at Bologna, a game that was, was really back and forth and there were a lot of chances for both teams. So I think that um, EDF is starting to get into this team a little bit, but I think that they're expressing themselves and they're playing really well right now. Joao Pedro's in a really good run of form. Uh, Naita Nandez is playing extremely well uh, as well. Um, George hopes the mold is finally taking shape with Cagliari. I think that it's an issue, George, where they are beating the teams that you would expect them to beat. You know, in certain situations, I am in, I am interested in what they'll do against Juventus uh, and at at Juve to see uh, to see how that goes. So you've mentioned they they've been opportunistic, and this that is a great opportunity to be opportunistic. If you know if it's a tight game late, especially if it's a you know a level scoreline, be opportunistic. Jao Pedro is a fantastic striker. They got some playmakers on that team. If they can find an opportunistic opportunity and take advantage of it. Um, look out, that's going to be world difference for their confidence going ahead. You know, even if they level Juventus up, um, it'll be it'll do good for their confidence. And Sassuolo and Udinese, I, I could, you know, and I watched this guy, I was excited for this game, and I could not have watched two more uninterested teams. Um, and like, 
like Anthony, I fell asleep. I'm like, this is not the game I signed up for. I was astonished. I mean, I think that, you know, we were talking about the betting markets. Martino Puccio was talking about it and saying that, you know, you can get Sassuolo at plus 120 just an hour and a half before kickoff. And I was like, you know, if I've got, if I have sports book in Wisconsin, I would have jumped all over that. I would have jumped all over the over three and a half. It was paying out plus 150. I'm like, there's going to be goals in this game and Sassuolo is going to win it. And to see not only nil nil, but six total shots the whole game. Yeah. Like I, I mean, the worst zero zero game of the weekend by this far. is like, this is like early 90s Serie A. You know, it was chess match. One team had more of the ball. The other team didn't let them play. Um, I mean, and maybe credit Luca Gotti for just putting the clamps on this. Um, but, you know, shame on him for setting us back like four centuries with his with his tactics and with how he approached this game. But but if you're Udinese, you've got to find ways to get it done because uh, you're sitting in 19th right now. And that's a point at Sassuolo that, um, yeah, Anthony, that game screwed me on my over-under. It screwed everybody. <laughs> I think under half a goal was paying out like plus 1,600, um, maybe even higher, like – if you had thrown a hundred dollars on that game being a scoreless draw, you'd walked out with like sixteen hundred bucks. So that's wow. what I saw. That's how I saw it was like during the game, though. I didn't see what it was before that. It might have been even higher. Sometimes you got to roll that dice. I remember back in the day when Alex Sir Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson was at Man United. They used to have like some crazy bets that you know, if United scored in like in stoppage time and then a game, you'd win like a boatload of money. And then so you like go ahead throw it in because they're, they're they're bound to happen. And so. Sometimes you got to take a risk and go for that 0-0 game, hoping that you're going to hit jackpot, and then you would have got lots of money, like you said. Six shots between both teams, not just one team taking six shots. It's almost as bad as, what was that game, West Germany against Austria back in like the 80s in the World Cup when they it was in a qualifying round, and they just both teams wanted to get out and keep the other team, the third team from qualifying. Oh, I forget what, who it was. Two teams that were just passing the ball around. That's what it felt yes, like. West that Germany and Austria they had an agreement because yep. West Germany already qualified, and Austria yep. just needed to draw to get through. So. It wasn't that bad, but it was close. They just they just hung out on the pitch, and they drank beer. Yeah. Um, and just said, all right, nil nil. We'll we'll get out of here. So yeah, I uh that was probably the most um eye-opening result to me was just the the lack of goals in that game. I was expecting. I mean, but it was lack of goals across Eddie I and in a game that we also thought was gonna have goals was Atalanta and Inter Richard. Um yeah, yeah. I had this as an inter three two win just because both defenses were struggling so much. Um, you know, inter uh still without Romelu Lukaku. Uh, Atalanta started uh, Malinowski, uh, Gomez and Zapata as their attack. Uh, they the the Mojica experiment I think is dead and buried after the after, after what happened at Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, Matteo Ruggeri uh, got the start there. Um, so Atalanta and the Inter possession relatively even. Um, there was no goals until the second half, which was astonishing in and of itself. And then it would be uh, Latar Martinez heading home. Uh, across that came in from Ashley Young just before the hour mark in the 58th minute. And, uh, you know, a goal down, you got, you know, you got these wonderful attacking players and you've got Melanovsky. So what does Gasparini do? He subs him off <laughs> and brings on Alexi Maranchuk. And uh, he brings off uh, in the 73rd minute, he brings off Zapata for Lammers. And, you know, he does all this stuff and Atalanta get the goal. Uh, and it is Maranchuk uh, with a nice finish. His first goal, his first appearance in Serie A. Yep. His first goal, making me look great because before the season, when this transfer window hit, I said, 
this guy's going to be a stud for Atalanta. This is exactly who fits Atalanta. I've seen him play, saw him play with Lokomotiv Moscow. Um, you know, I said this is exactly an this is a a quintessential uh, Atalanta player um, in yep. in in Gasparini's Atalanta. So uh, the match ends one one. Oh, look at this! Uh, Christian Romero had a banger of a game. Uh, did you see his tackle in the first half on Martinez? No, I did not. I did not. Oh, I mean, just last ditch, perfectly timed. Mm. There was a ball that was crossed in, and Martinez made a Latar made a very nice run. Should have scored, should have and would have scored, but the timing of Romero getting there perfectly, getting the ball and, and breaking it up, um, was uh, was as impressive. You know, that's why uh, they got him right. They they wanted for those key plays like that to to, to be able to stop the opposition's uh, best players, and it sounds like he did a fan bang up job of it too. Arguably the best player in this game. Uh, Remo Freller was really good too. Yeah, he hit um, off the he hit off the he had a nice uh, shot shot cross whatever you want to call it hits a cross or made Handanovic save it. Uh, was early in the first half, I guess it was. Uh, brilliant shot by Freuler. Nearly snuck in there on Handanovic. Yep, yep. So, 1-1, one, one, another game where we're left disappointed. We thought there'd be a heck of a lot more goals, even with Inter not having Lukaku. But nonetheless, it was a – I mean, the first – if you watch the first 30 minutes of this game, it would give you every indication that there was going to be goals. They were just going after each other relentlessly. Yep, yep. Um, so, uh, Roma at Genoa. All the Henrik Mkhitaryan you can take because uh, he got a hat trick in this one. First one just before halftime. Second one in the 66th minute. And then the volley in the 85th minute, which is my goal of the week, uh, just to put the game away for the Giallorossi. Uh, even possession, but Roma did much more with it than Genoa did. Um, on the other end for Genoa in the 50th, 50th minute, uh, it was Piaccia from Gianluca Scamacca scoring up, turning up again, this time with an assist. That was a beautiful play that led to that goal. I mean, that was a beautiful team goal right there. Just treading their defense apart. But uh, yeah, Scamacca with a beautiful assist there to leading Piazza to that goal, and uh, he put it away. But yeah, the kid is uh, getting goals and assists now. And uh, you know, despite the tattoos, you know, the Parotti tattoos, proving, uh, proving, proving to be, proving to be. Uh, a man that wants to eat at the big boy table with all of the great neck tat players that Serie A has seen. So, Maybe he's auditioning for Roma. Yeah, <laughs> that could be. That could be. Should have had a Roma shirt on if you know with that with yeah. that neck tat. It would have been perfect. You know, yeah. you, you know, and you know what? It wouldn't stun me if he's uh, he's a Roma player next year. Yeah. So. Uh, he, he could fit well there. I think so. You know, Jeco yeah. is back up to Jeco and eventually taking his spot. It's yeah, uh, Jekyll's got to move on at some point. Why not? Yeah, um, Torino Crotone. Uh, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, it was better uh, than Sassuolo Danese, though. <laughs> Luperto uh, got a second yellow and got sent off, but not until the 88th minute. Uh, another game that was just drab. I mean, Torino at home against another team, Crotone, who concedes a whole bunch of goals, and Torino can only get four shots on him. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at Crotone's lineup and wondering what was so scary about this that you couldn't get around it, uh, especially with Belotti, Verdi, Lukic with the form that he's in, um, Voivoda with his ability going forward, Rodriguez on the left. I mean, there's the, the pieces he, that team should have at least two on Crotone, uh, making you wonder if uh, Marco Giampaolo is going to be uh, enjoying the Panatone uh, in Torino. Uh, mm, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Napoli at Bologna, another game that I thought would have goals. Um, only one though. It was uh, Victor Osimhen in the twenty-third minute. 
putting this away and Napoli sure tried. They had 19 shots in this game Four, yeah. only four on target though. Yeah. Um, uh, Bologna didn't create as many chances in this game. Uh, but Lozano again, uh, looking terrific, uh, you know, in the Napoli, I mean, they just, they, they're so deadly with what they've got going forward, uh, between Lozano, uh, Meritans, Insigne, Ossiman up front. Uh, it's, it's coming together nicely. Just one goal in this game, but, um, nonetheless, three more points for Napoli. Uh, and then, uh, it was capped off with Milan hosting Hellas Verona. Uh, we warned and warned and warned Milan fans that this was not going to be an easy game. This was going to be a very difficult game. Verona does exactly the kind of things that, uh, aggravate Milan. And, uh, that's exactly what happened here. It ends in a two, two draw. It was a two nil lead. Uh, for Hellas Verona in the sixth minute. Antonin Barak, here's how you beat Milan. You beat Milan on set pieces. You beat Milan in crossing situations. And you beat Milan on second balls. Check, check, Because winner was everybody. <laughs> um, after Donnarumma struggled with it. Um, you know, Barak with one of the easiest goals he's going to score all season. Yeah. Just 13 minutes later, uh, a shot from distance redirected by Calabria into his own net to make it 2-0. Um, leaving Milan struggling uh, in the 27th minute. Nice little piece of uh, attacking play going the other way. Cassie getting into the box, getting onto the ball. Uh, it does uh, deflect off of Magnani, who uh, gets uh, credited for the own goal in the 27th minute. Uh, it would be 2-1 at halftime. Milan puts Verona under siege in the second half. Uh, and by under siege, I mean they had 65% possession. They outshot Verona 21-2. Uh, Milan had 34 shots in this game altogether. Um, yeah. uh, Zlatan missing of the penalty in the 66th minute. The less said about that, the better for Zlatan and his ego. Um, it was uh, another goal that gets canceled. Uh, and then finally, uh, in, the, uh, in, in the 93rd minute, Diaz, Brian Diaz coming in, crossing it, and Zlatan heading home, redeeming himself after the penalty blunder. And... Sparing a point for the Rossoneri and some blushes, Richard, Milan, Verona, probably went about the way we expected it to go. They did. And apparently Milan weren't ready for what Verona was going to throw at them, even though we knew we were saying, I mean, they should listen to our podcast or listen to Stevie and Vinny, right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, Verona is going to do what they're going to do. Uh, as George says, uh, Verona, Verona found Verona things. Um, they did exactly what the, the formula that they're going to go for. They went for the set pieces. They went for the loose balls, you know, the crosses, all that stuff. And it, and it worked. Uh, Barack got a goal again. You know, had a brace last week, got a goal this week early on. And then the own goal, which is very, very well struck by Zakani. Uh, who continues to impress and uh, Verona were doing very good things uh, early on, uh, but full credit and, and lots of times when, when the bigger team that should is favored to win draws the game, it looks bad on them. But I think in fashion that they went down and came back fought, it was indicative of a very strong mentally team, strong mental team. Uh, they went down to nothing early to a, a, one of the best defensive teams in the league, by the way. Yep. Um, they've only given up what seven goals this year. This is the first game they've given up more than one goal in a game, which is which is amazing. Um, and so they came back. They got a goal late. Kessie got the touch, but then it ended up being an own goal. Makes a two on a half time cut into that lead. They had adversity. Uh, you know, Zlatan misses the penalty shot. Did his best. Uh, Zaza impersonation shooting way over the bar, upper deck. Uh, and then he comes back. He scores a goal. It gets taken away from him, and they continue to fight and fight. And I actually thought they might have, you know, got a goal late after that second goal after they tied it because they kept coming after them. They were hungry, and that's a sign of a, a strong mental team. And 
uh, that's going to pose well for them in their fight to try to get Champions League this year. I thought it was a, a, a good draw. And most of the times, you know, you see teams, like I said, getting draws, you want to say, okay, like Juve drew Verona early in the year and looked bad at the time. But I think this is a good result. Anytime a team goes down 2 nothing, comes back and, and ends up drawing it, uh, it's it's a good draw. Like, was it last year when, or maybe it was early this year, Lazio went up 3 nothing on Atalanta and Atalanta stormed back, made a 3-3. Great result for Atalanta, poor for, yep. for Lazio. Same situation here. Yep. Um, I thought a few things. Uh, uh, Silvestri with seven saves. Uh, you know, so terrific for him. Uh, Antonin Barak. Uh, finding his feet again is, is nice to watch. And uh, at least Nikola Kalinic didn't score. That's what I said. <laughs> I tweeted that as soon as he got that first goal happens. Like, oh, at least it wasn't Kalinic. He just had one shot on target. And that was, was all. Early. That was, was basically, early. yeah, it was the extent of his involvement. 12 touches, six accurate passes, five lost possessions, and committed two fouls. So that's that's the Kalinic we all know and love. See, Milan, Milan play, and they forced me to drink. I, drink, I finished my scotch here just talking about Milan. <laughs> there you go. Hellas Verona is the new Hellas Verona. <laughs> well, new Atalanta, new Sassuolo. In terms of, and I said this on, I said this on uh, Alex's radio show. They're they're Atalanta and Sassuolo, although their tactics are entirely different. But what makes them common with them is that modest budget, um, and assembling a team of players that fits the system and fits the demands of the manager. Is that accurate? Can we put them in that tier yet? I mean, it, it's even hard to put Sassuolo in that tier yet until they actually accomplish anything. But you're you're looking at these teams that are, you know, sustaining some success by their standards. You know, we're seeing Atalanta, and now all of these pro- provincial clubs, whatever you want to call them, they're going to be measured by what by, – by the um, – by the level that Atalanta have created. But I think by their own standards, you know, we talked about Sassuolo. I think Hellas Verona is another team that you could arguably put in that conversation, albeit their tactics are much, much different. Yeah, and, you know, I wasn't sure where you're going to go with that with, with that comparison, but the way you described it, I have to agree with you, right? Uh, the modest budget and, and finding, ways, finding ways to put players in, the, in their system. Uh, we talked about last year how Verona did so well and then lost some players, some key players like Kumbula and some others. Um, Amarabat, and how would that affect them this year? Well, they just turn around, plug in new players, and they continue the system as it were. Antonin Baraka stepping up this year. Zakani is having a really good season to, to begin yeah. with. Um, obviously, the, their keeper is fantastic. So uh, it, it, they, they know what kind of system they want to play. They know what kind of players they're looking for, and they just keep plugging them in, and that's uh, – that's good for Judic. Uh, he's been doing a fantastic job. He has been, you know, in his career in Serie A. I mean, even when he was at Genoa, he didn't have quite the players there as he does now. But he found a way to make it a dentist chair there and made it difficult for teams to play against him. And he's doing it again with mm-hmm. much better players and they're getting results. And, uh, you know, as much as we were surprised by Verona last year and, and their stout defense, teams really shouldn't be that surprised this year. Yet they seem to be so yeah. far. And they're picking up right where they are. And we're going to be talking about new defenders this year. Last year, we we're talking about, you know, Kabula and some of the other guys. And this year, it's going to be it's new guys we're going to talk about. And uh, it's a it's a really, really admirable job he's doing over there. And they're going to make another team that's going to be in a discussion for trying to get into that European spot with Lazio and some of these other clubs as well. So, um, yeah, they're, they're not necessarily the most entertaining team to watch, but they do very well with what they have and they know what they have. And so because of that, that breeds success. 
Magnani came over from uh, Sassuolo. Mm. Um, you have Cecharini now who has some experience. I mean, you lose Amrabat, you lose Kambula, you lose some of these other guys. And then you plug him in with guys like Cecharini who's got some experience. Um, Ivan Ilich coming over, uh, Serbian international, young yep. player. Yep. Um, nice future ahead of him. Zakanyi's in really good form and has yeah. a chance to make a lot of money playing somewhere else uh, at some point. Um, and then I like what they've got going for themselves here with the wingbacks. I think, you know, Federico DiMarco is a guy that we've always thought has been solid, you know, in his time at Parma when he was on loan from Inter. Um, you know, Darko Lazovic has kind of been a fixture here in Serie A and is kind of one of these, you know, not a guy that we talk a whole lot about, but a guy that produces and does some decent things. Um, they really are a striker away from being something special. Nikola Kalinic isn't the answer here. He's not? Uh, <laughs> no, he's just not. Uh, I mean, that's that's easy to say. Uh, you know, they've got De Carmine, they've got Salcedo, and I think that those guys are clearly better options for me. So something's got to be going on with ownership saying, hey, we got this guy. You got to figure out how to make it work. Compromising or, pictures. Urich, yeah. Urich and Kalinic, there's a Croatian connection there. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't get how he keeps finding work. Compromising pictures. It has to be at this point. It has to be. Yeah, I agree with you. If they, they have, if they find a striker, I mean, maybe bring back Petsini. I don't know. <laughs> they need to find a striker that can put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, that would do a world of good for them. Um, but yeah, I agree with you on that. Hey, Mr. Bob, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Bob. Glad you're uh, glad you're with us. Uh, George is having an old granddad bourbon. I am uh, on the local stuff. Uh, Lakefront Brewery this time. Just having. Okay. Enjoying the IPA tonight. I had so. a, I had a doers. I'm gonna have to refill up here. Uh, that's a holiday tomorrow, right? Is it a holiday? Yeah, it's Veterans Day tomorrow. Yeah. So that is correct. That is correct. Uh, today would have been my dad's 75th birthday. So. Oh, okay. Right um, on. We didn't. We didn't do anything. My brother just. Uh, my brother just mentioned that he said that uh, he 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 put cake in the urn. So, or my my little brother suggested that maybe that he put cake in the urn. <laughs> so <laughs> nice family conversations uh, so. to go back to your Kalinich point uh mr bob says if Kalinich is the answer what is the question the question is what the fuck <laughs> biggest underachieving striker in the history of strikers uh, although that's up for debate i mean yeah he's yeah, he's at the table, but this. i don't know if he's the biggest underachiever no yeah so they can look at fernando Torres's time at milan um he was passing at that point though all right fair enough fair enough um roma is it just because they play genoa or nope i think i don't think so i you know mkhitaryan is really starting to play much better as the season going on i've said from the beginning that i really like this midfield and i I continue to say that because this is what kind of breeds their offense and and you know jekko and whoever at the the striker position all they have to do is just hold the ball up and give it to their midfielders they got vera too they got mkhitaryan they got pedro uh, so on and so forth they got a really really fun uh possession base and attacking midfield that really can exploit a defense and exploit their weaknesses yes it's genoa i understand that but They've been doing this kind of stuff to all teams so far this season. They haven't been getting mm. the goals like they did in this game, but they have been exploiting teams and they're and they've been making those beautiful passes, getting lots of shots off in each of the games. So it was bound that they were going to start scoring some goals. You, you're happy for Mikatarian for scoring some some nice goals today or this weekend, but um, I'm not surprised by this at all. And it's, I don't think it's just because they play Genoa. Well, how about you? Um, no, I mean, and this is important that they that they find ways without Jekyll. They're not dependent on Eden Jekyll. 
You know, and then you can also go back to Thursday in the uh, Europa League. Um, they're they're uh, they're underachievers. They're screw ups. They're B teamers. Uh, put five on Cluj. Um, so that's another um, that's another uh, positive for them as they're starting to put this together. Having Smalling back there and playing regularly helps them out defensively. Um, you know, you've got uh, so it was uh, uh, Mancini, Smalling, and Ibanez, which is a much better defensive grouping than what we probably were looking at. Uh, the other thing that I would probably point to is the play of their midfield, um, the combination of Pellegrini and Veratu. Um, they're both guys that would love to link up with the attack and go forward, but they're both doing a good, when I watch some of these Roma games, I think one thing is, is that, that that's catching my eye about those two guys playing together is that they're unselfish in the sense that they're reading each other a lot. They're, they're reading each other and they're really well, if one's up, the other one's protecting the back three, you know, and, and does his job in that sense and helps keep some balance. So, you know, they don't have – I would not define Veritu or Pellegrini as a midfield stopper. So at some point, that that's that that's something that might expose them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But in the, for the time being, it's a, it's, a, it's a unique combination and it's an intriguing combination. And I think against a team like Genoa, they probably can get away with it. So um, – it's uh, but it but that's that's been catching my eye lately. But then the, the understanding that they have of each other, uh, you know, has been interesting. Um, this is the Rick Karsdorp that Roma hoped they were going to get when they signed him. Gosh, it feels like they signed him ten years ago. Um, and, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if because he was linked with Atalanta, that's what made him even better. You know, just being linked with Atalanta makes you a better player. <laughs> sure, why not? You know. You know, if you're being thought of by those guys and you had to be, you know, I think that Salamakers was linked with Atalanta. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought I had read that somewhere at some point. So Mr. Bob is asking a, a good question because we're a city I sit down where we talk about Azuri a lot. And he's asking, why am I wearing a Holland jersey? Um, not just because I like Holland. This is the Huntelar jersey. And he played with AC Milan. Uh, he's, you know, he's one of my favorite players. Uh, Huntelar is. So I'm wearing a Huntelar jersey, not just a Dutch jersey, but it's a Huntelar jersey. So, yeah. So, you know. Yeah. City Out Connection. City Out Connection. Yep. Huntelar was uh was indeed solid. So um, you know, no doubt about it. Um Napoli. Um I mean, getting a clean sheet against an attack like Bologna is impressive. Oh, absolutely. And Ospina continues to be uh seems to be the man for, for Napoli going forward. And you know, any other day I think Napoli would have scored probably three or four goals. I think they all were not positionally wise when they're in technically when they're shooting, they were leaning back too far and all the, all the shots were going over the crossbar. Um, they had great, a lot of opportunity, a lot of possession in the attacking zone for Bologna, but they kept roofing over the bar. And, you know, I think it was a bad day for all everyone involved. Um, you know, Lozano continues to impress. He had that beautiful pass to Osiman uh, for the backdoor header, uh, but he played well overall. But I think, you know, like I said, any other day they would have scored more goals. It just, yep. just so happened that everyone kept shooting over the bar. In Sienia, Americans, I mean, everybody was shooting over the bar. So it's yep. just one of those days for them where it looked beautiful except for the final product. Yep. Um, Atalanta and Inter, don't let the 1-1 fool you. This was a really entertaining game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we want a more high-scoring game for sure, right? right? But it didn't happen. But it was still a lot of opportunities going both ways. Handanovic making big saves. Um 
Atalanta playing, doing some key defensive stops. It, it was, it, I mean, at some points, like you said, the first, what, 30 minutes, a lot of opportunities both ways. We thought more goals were going to happen. And then it got a little, you know, more cagey uh, towards the middle part of the game. And then once uh, Inter went up in, what, the 58th minute or whatever, with a uh, nice nice play by Ashley Young to uh, get the assist on uh, Toto Martinez. Then you saw Atalanta really going gung-ho and trying to get a goal. And they had opportunity after opportunity. Obviously, Moranchek scored, but, you know, Zapata had a great opportunity backdoor. He just missed it. Uh, and some other chances here and there as well. So this game was a, it was a fun game. I mean, you know, for a 1-1 game, uh, it's certainly an entertaining. Um, we wished more goals would have happened for sure. But, you know, when you have teams that have, you know, tough midfields like they do with Vidal on one side and the other side, you got, you know, Froiler and 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 Darun and guys like that. Uh, it's going to be difficult, right? And Romero as well. You talk about how he had a good game. Um, yep. So in two two top teams, you're you're going to expect a low scoring even game, and that's what we got. We were hoping for something higher scoring, yep. right? You too, but we got a typical heavyweight bout. Uh, ended up one one. Doesn't matter who was playing. You know, guys are missing, but uh, it was a good game, good Serie A game. Yep, yep, definitely agree uh, with all of that. So, uh, give us your top five goals of the week. I already said my uh, my two. Your your, um, your top two. Yeah, my top two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay. Um, honorable mention for me, uh, the Nandez breakaway. Uh, that was that was a nice play there. And also Osiman's uh, header, the, the assist by Lozano, I thought was really nice. And Osiman did well to keep to keep it ball down and get a goal there. But my top five, uh, coming to number five is Inter's goal. Ashley Young with a beautiful play to get the assist on Laturo. Laturo doing what he does and getting in the back of the net. That's number five. Number four for me, Caicedo with a brilliant late, late goal. Uh, to make it level 1-1 with Juventus. So that's number four for me. Number three, Pobega, his volley uh, in the in the game, getting the win, Spezia over Benevento. I thought it was very well done. Uh, right out of midair there. And then uh, number two for me, the team goal by Genoa, the only goal they scored. Uh, Piazza getting the goal on that one, Scamacca with the assist. But uh, the way they tore up the Roma defense uh, on that goal was something something to behold. And then number one, as you just exactly like you said, it's uh, Mikatarian with his uh, his third goal, the tripleta of the game. I thought it was very well done, nicely vol- side volley by him. Uh, so yeah, that's my top five. Excellent. Um, winners and losers uh, this week. Um, I'm going to go with Lazio as the winner, even though it was a draw against Juventus. To be able to be undermanned and have the resources to be able to get the point against Juve for me, um, very very important. Uh, losers, uh, the, the whole damn league, 18 goals in 10 <laughs> games. Screw you guys. This was, we're, 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 we're trying so hard and we're touting and we're touting and we're touting. And then you produce crap all weekend and, uh, you know, we all suffer. So yeah, the whole league lost this weekend and, and we lost as fans having to be subjected to, I think there was what, three scoreless draws in there. Three. Yeah. At least three. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Three. Um, all right. That's good stuff right there. My, 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 um, Winners of the week is going to be Roma for sure. I thought the way that they, they got a nice result, but more importantly, Mkhitaryan got a hat-trick in this one. Uh, I thought he played really brilliantly in the, in the way to cap off that hat-trick with a, a nice volley. Uh, he's player definitely you know the player of the week for me, and uh, they're, the, they're, they're the winners of the week for me. I would, I would also throw in there as a B that I might get shtick for is Milan getting a 2-2 draw with Verona. The way they went about it, going down 2 nothing and fighting way back through a lot of adversity, adversity, you know, goals called back, missed penalties, and still found a way to get a, a draw on that one. So 
uh, that they're a partial winner for me. But the losers for for me, you said the whole league. I'm going to pick it to one game in particular, and it's going to be Sassuolo Udinese. I thought I expected a lot more from this game. I expected a lot more from Udinese getting some goals and giving up some goals. Uh, they didn't either. Uh, so uh, yeah, that was unfortunate for me because uh, I was looking forward to this matchup a lot, just to see some goals. You know, being the lone game on 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 what Friday or whatever. So yeah, rough, absolutely rough. Uh, national team call-ups. Do you have yeah. the Do you have the graphic handy? I can never find it when I need it. Yeah, let me let, let me see if I can pull this up, share the screen here. Hold on a second. Give me a minute. Can move the camera here. Oh, where's my? There we go. Give me a minute. There we go. Find the right tab. I got it pulled up. I just got to. I'm just trying to show everybody. So here we go. Boom. Okay, there it is. All right, so then uh, I'll, I'll go through the, the 41 men that were called up. Uh, first, the goalkeepers, uh, Alessio Cragno for Cagliari, uh, Donnarumma for Milan, Alex Moret from Napoli, and Salvatu Sirigu from Torino. All four keepers have been uh, called up at some point very very often, so I'm not surprised by there. Defenders, we got a whole boatload of defenders here. Uh, Francesco Acerbi from Lazio, Cristiano Beraghi from Fiorentina, Leonardo Bonucci, Juventus, Davide Calabria, Milan, Domenico Crescito, Crescito excuse me, from Genoa, Danilo D'Ambrosio from Inter Milan, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Napoli, Emerson from Chelsea, Alessandro Florenzi from Paris Saint-Germain. I, I still not used to saying that or saying seeing him there. Uh, Gianlu- Gianluca uh, Mancini from Roma, Angelo Ogbona, I haven't heard his name in a long time, from West Ham, Luca Pellegrini from Genoa, Alessio Romagnoli from Milan, and Leonardo Spinazzola from Roma. Um, before I go any further, uh, any surprises from the defenders? I mean, we obviously see a lot more names because of the COVID situation, but uh, there's some names like Ogbona that we haven't heard from in a long time. Yeah. Um... It's, uh, it's, it's, it. I mean, uh, some of this is just going to be, be, some of these guys are just going to be paid lip service. Yeah. You know, Obona is in the camp, but, you know, will he really get in? Um, you know, we look at, uh, you know, some of these other ones. Uh, Florenzi's in very good form for PSG. Um, you know, he's turned in some good games, scored some goals. It's Kane uh, as well. What's that? Moise Kane as well. Yeah, Moise Kane as well. They both are playing really well for PSG, uh, and they've been a help. Um, my biggest criticism and, and my biggest thing that I need to see out of this group is I need fullbacks to emerge. Okay. I think we've got it. The, the, the center backs are solid. There's a decent rotation here that, you know, you know, that, that they can call on and, and have some effect. Um, and that's has to be the way to go. He has to be, I think on the left, on the left, over, he- over Biragi. I would. I, I the way that Spinazzola started the season, uh, we know what Baraghi can do. He can, he can do some good things, but I think Spinazzola, the way he started this season, give him a chance and let him run with it. He's played very well for Roma, um, and he scored some goals and getting assists. Why not put him in there? I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Defends a little bit better than Baraghi too. Yeah, N- not much, but does defend a little bit better. Uh, I think the right ba- right back has to be uh, Florenzi. Right um, now, yeah. On, you know, under the circumstances and given the form that he's in. Um, I like seeing Calabria in the camp. I think that he's actually played really, really well. He yeah. can give you some better 
you know, and I didn't ever thought I'd ever say this about the kid, but he can give you a better defensive presence at right back probably than Florenzi can. Yeah. Um, you Eventually, know, so, at the end of the season, I think Calabria could take it away from him as we get closer, but uh, we need to see a lot of good from Calabria and a lot more inconsistency from, from Florenzi. And unfortunately, like you said, he's playing very well at the moment. Right, right. So that's where I'm That's where I'm at. I, I, I need to see better play from the fullbacks. Okay. Um, you know, so I'm going into these Italy games hoping that we see some better fullback play than what we've what we've been given so far. Okay, so let's go to the midfielders now. Nicolo, Bale- Nicolo Barella, excuse me, from Inter Milan. Gaetano Castrovilli from Fiorentina. Brian Cristante from Roma. Roberto Gagliardini from Inter Milan. Jorginho from Chelsea. Manuel Locatelli from Sassuolo. Lorenzo Pellegrini from Roma. Matteo Pessina from Atalanta. Roberto Soriano from uh, Bologna. like to see that call up. And then Sandro Tonali from AC Milan. Um, good selections, I think, with the midfield, huh? Yeah. Did, is Jorginho's George, George, not in there? He is. No, he is. He is in yes? there. Yes? Okay. Yeah. And uh, Verratti's not in there, is he? He is not. He's. I think he's hurt, actually. Okay. Um, Barella, uh, Jorginho, and then take your pick for the other midfielder. Uh, yep. I think is really the way this needs to go. I think that, you know, Locatelli, I see that you're highlighting him. He's got to give an opportunity. As the way I he's think, been playing the season, I think he should get an, at least an opportunity. I think he's a guy that you definitely, you know, consider. I think it's Castrovilli. I think that if you want to do this right now, if I do a midfield three, I'm yeah, starting Barella, Jorginho, and Castrovilli. And don't um, look Soriano. I think he's played very well this season as well for Bologna. Uh, but I think I agree with you, Castrovilli, and then Locatelli probably just before him. But he's a he's a fantastic player. But functionally, can it work with Soriano? I mean, he's a, yeah, he's, no. a or, he's he's better in front of a double pivot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and Mancini's not going to do that. So uh, that's the only that's the only uh, question that I would have as it pertains to Soriano. Uh, so um, the double the double pivot that has. Um, uh, Mihailovic has at Bologna gives him a little bit more freedom. Yeah. So, uh, so that would be a that would be a concern. That would be a question I'd have to have. All right. Uh, moving on to the forwards now. Andrea Bellotti, El Gallo from Torino. Uh, Domenico Berardi from Sassuolo. Federico Bernardeschi from Juventus. Francesco Caputo, Sassuolo. Federico Chiesa, Juventus. Stefan El Sharawi from Shanghai, Shenhua. Uh, Vincenzo Grifo from Freiburg. Love to see that. Chiro Immobile from Lazio, Lorenzo Insigne from Napoli, Moise Kane from PSG, Kevin Lasagna Udinese, Riccardo Orsolini, Bologna, and Pietro Pellegri. He is in the national team with Monaco. Hmm. Um, that's a probably a surprise for me. Um, he probably definitely earned it, but obviously you need to have a little bit more bodies now, especially with guys like Immobile being uh, 50-50, whether they're going to be on the team or not. Uh, Moise Kane probably is going to be the one who's going to get more of the playing time as you know, out of this grouping here because he's been pretty good. He's been banging in goals uh, with PSG. So, uh, what do you make of the forwards? Not real. No, no one that really surprises me. Yep. Um, you know, Pelega getting his opportunity. I mean, I think Lasagna maybe, but he. I mean, he's been good in the past. He just hasn't been good as of late. But I can see why he's been called up. Um, I, it, Insigne, and then for the love of God, please start playing Domenico Berardi on the right. Yeah. Um, and then. Striker, that's the striker is going to be striker and the right side of that front three are going to be two things I'm keeping my eye on in these games. Or Salini could be could play well there. 
He has. Orsolini's useful. Um, Berardi's useful. Uh, you've got Insigne, who's going to shoot everything inside from the left. Yep. You've got a striker who needs service. That right sided, the right side of that front three needs to provide service. Um, Berardi and Orsolini are probably the best candidates. Uh, I'm yep. not a Chiesa fan in the national team setup. I, th- I love his game. Um, I think he's a wonderful player. It's not working out within the national team framework. You would agree um, with me that Benedeschi would be ahead of Chiesa in the national team. You think, huh? I, I do. Now, for Juventus, it would be the opposite. Uh, it would be a wash there. But Bernadeschi, it seems like he's one of those guys that he does it for the national team. He'll when, right. when you put on the national team colors, suddenly he's a little bit better player. Yeah. And it just for whatever reason, it's not working out for whatever club he's playing on. So I think, I think Barardi, I'm with you. Barardi would be a nice place to put him there. He, you know, he's done really well for Sassuolo this season, uh, and he'd be a good fit in there for in that four-three-three system. Yeah. So if I'm picking it, it's Donnarumma. If I'm picking an eleven out of this group, it's Donnarumma in goal. Let's just put Florenzi there on the right. Okay. Although I'd argue Calabria deserves a shot, um, and I'll go with Bonucci and Chiellini in the middle. Okay. Um, I would probably, you know, the, the fun part is, is that you have a Cherubi to draw back on and he can probably fill one of those. So let's actually, let's make it Bonucci and a Cherubi. Um, all right. So it's Florenzi, Bonucci, a Cherubi and, uh, Spinazzola would be the back four midfield three of Barella, Jorginho and Castrovilli. And okay. then in attack, we'll go Insigne, um, and Berardi flanking. I want it to be Caputo for the reasons that we've talked about. The functionality of him in a four-three-three that he can just be a poacher, he can just be a striker in this setup, um, and that I think it can be very, very successful. But um, I am going to say let's let's throw Bilotti in there. I don't Immobile is it's a fitness thing right now with him that I wouldn't put him in, yeah. and this is last chance saloon for Bilotti in this role. He's got to show he can do it. Yeah, you know if not if not it's time for Caputo. It's time for Kane. Uh, it's time for those guys. So, because um, Immobile and Belotti have been given so many chances and just have not delivered to the magnitude that we expect from the from 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 someone who plays that position for the Azzurri. When you think of the strikers that Italy have had through the years, so. I think it's funny that you know we say that we if if he doesn't succeed, then you have to leave it to the oldest man on the team and the youngest man on the team. You know, one of the youngest players on the team. You know, Caputo is one of the, the veterans, and then and Moise Kane is one of the younger ones, obviously. So yeah, um, it's pretty funny with that. But yeah, I agree. I agree with I agree with that starting eleven. The only person that maybe I would change out would probably be uh, swap out Bonucci with uh, Mancini, Gianluca Mancini. That okay. probably be the only change I'd make of that the starting eleven. I like it though. I think it's because it's a captain thing with Bonucci. Eh. Um, and I know it's not desirable. It's it's not it's not desirable. Give it to a Cherby. Give it to a Cherby. I'll tell you this though, he defends better for Italy than he does for Juve. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, and not by much, but he does. So, and that, that's something that we're very critical of when he plays for Juve. Yeah. So, on we go. Who won Calcio Twitter? The uh, the contest that is sweeping uh, Calcio podcasts everywhere uh, uh, has boosted our uh, listenership from five to six. Nice. So we thank you for for that. Whoever's inspired by our collection of um, it's all the winners. Kind of see if they won again. Of foolishness, yeah. That's that's all it is. Speaking of uh, winners, uh, one of last week's winners, I guess, is with the first one, huh, Frank? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is uh, is this is this Russo Milano that? Uh, oh, yeah. 
It is Russo Russo Milano at Free Range Rabbit, who was one of the winners last week. He was my pick. Um, <laughs> he said, let's just hope I'm more consistent than Suzo. This was in response to him winning last week. We had to throw that on there. So <laughs> we had to. We had well to. played at Free Range Rabbit. Uh, you are on the board. Oh, this is so. This is uh, just Juve, who we're having on next week. Uh, he says, Benucci leading Juventus defense without the Licht and Chiellini, and it's falls right over. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. That man. is that G, just Juve. I like that. Well yeah. played. Well played, everybody. Uh, well played to this guy. Let's see. Oh, look um, at you. You get a nomination here. I do. Do I get nominated? Yeah. By Joseph um, Fischetti. Oh. Yep. Hang on a second here. Um, this damn thing will ever go back up. Oh. So bear with me. I'm just getting back. Well, I'll, while you're getting back, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. So Jerry Mancini re- tweeted out in all caps letters, Lazio never die. Time and time again, they show a way to win. That, the character of this team is truly remarkable when you think of what, they're, what they've done. And guess what? They're, they are not done for Lazio always. And then what did you say? Sir, this is a Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I mean, he just, he will just, you know, he just, and Jerry, we love you, man. But man, do you gush over your team. Uh, It's, it's, it's it's borderline cringeworthy, actually. But yeah, it's, 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 I just picturing him shouting at a, shouting this at a Tim Hortons in front of the cashier. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) And I had to find a Canadian chain. I I just, uh, just to authenticate it. I was going to say, sir, this is a Wendy's, Yeah. Uh, but but seeing that he's Canadian, I thought that that would, uh, that would resonate a little bit more. So, oh oh, man, that's good. Uh, the next one comes from, uh, Nino, a former winner at ASR Curva Sud 1927. Uh, he wrote Henrik Mikatri. Mkhitaryan, uh, you know, referencing the three goals of Mkhitaryan and, and, uh, and the win against Genoa. Uh, very funny. Sir. It's kind of hard to say. Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan. There we go. Mkhitaryan. There you go. Almost makes him Irish. Um, uh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. A little more clever uh, on that one, but uh, but well played at ASR Curvasud, 1927. Uh, we go to at Interphilly. This was nominated by at Sergio underscore D uh, at Inter Philly. Um, it's uh, it's uh, it's these picture frames. It's this woman interviewing this uh, young man who I believe this is in a club. Yeah. Uh, he says, "I li-, and he's got an inter uh, the inter badge on his forehead." I live in fear of the counterattack, but I digress. It it's international break. The club is bumping. The ladies look good. The alcohol is flowing. There is much pain in the world, but not in this room. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Next one is from Chiesa di Totti. Uh, Syria swatting down these appeals like a young Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> they show the commercial. I guess it's Geico or whatever. Where Mutombo is swatting a cereal box away from a child. <laughs> yep. Yep. Very nice. Uh, we are missing one. Hang on. We, which one are we missing? We're missing Martino's. I haven't seen it. Oh yeah. Oh, that was the one. That was the best one. Oh, you got to find that one. Uh, All right. Hang on. I'm, I'm looking you meantime, you entertain the people. You know, yeah. Uh, great. Thank you. Uh, no pressure at all. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you got who, you know, for those in the chat who, who have seen the Martino Puccio tweet, I mean, this is, this is one, maybe the year uh, in terms of Calcio Twitter 
uh, what, what a uh, hilarious tweet this was. Um, I got to find it too, just so I can share with the, with the people. Uh, here we go. Martina Puccio. Where is it? Where is this thing? Uh, I'm scrolling down right now looking for it. And, yeah. uh, you tweet so damn much. Come on, Martina. Yeah, that's the thing. Is Martina, you tweet, you tweet too much, dude. Uh, it's referring the the famous. Uh, it had to do with the banter. It was like yep. the scene uh, from. Uh, it was a scene from uh, Inglorious Bastards with uh, with Hitler and he, their, uh, um, with the uh, he you know creating the new subtitles. Let's see. Come oh on, my goodness, Martino! If you didn't tweet so much. Oh my goodness! Seriously, I'm down to November sixth. I am too. Oh, you all, you look for that. Uh, and it was it was a hilarious tweet. We're gonna definitely tweet that out because that's gonna be the winner. Not by by far. I don't care what anybody else says. There's some good ones. Just UV had a great one. Uh, some other ones were really good, but this one with the banter error uh, was hilarious. Uh, we'll, we'll try to we'll try to pull it up here. Um, my goodness. Did he get rid of? Because that would have been our win- that that would be that would be our winner. Yeah. No. Oh, we found it. Okay. Found it. Uh, it's, it's November fourth. Oh, all, all the way down to November fourth. It's a two minute and 20 second video of uh, a scene from Inglorious Bastards where they're all in there talking to Hitler. And uh, here we go. Hold on. I finally after a long it. campaign, we have finished second behind Juventus. Clearly, this is devastating after the Muntari goal. We proceeded to lose to Juventus and Coppa Italia, fourth year on aggregate. All that was left of the Champions League quarters versus Barcelona. We were eliminated 3 1 over two legs and failed to win a trophy. And then we simply have to run it back with Inzaghi, Gattuso, and Seedorf and win the title next year. And then everybody's just staring at Hitler for saying that. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid they are retiring and have played their final matches with the club. After saying that. they would stay 99.9%. I mean, November... Let me just hold on. Let me tag this here so that we can uh, put it on there. If you haven't watched this whole video, you need to watch it because it was a thing of brilliance by Martino. Uh, and, <laughs> and you got to read all the word, all the all the all the commentary on this one because it was it was hilarious talking about the Milan banter area, like you said. Uh, hilarious, hilarious. This one, this probably wins it for the year, but uh, not even no question. We're not even going to let anybody else vote. It, this is the winner right here. So creatively <laughs> done. Lots of time taken in, taken yes. put into this. Uh, this time. is our. This is our winner. This is this is our winner. And there was some very good efforts. And uh, my sir, this is a Tim Hortons. I didn't even think what I did was that funny, but people enjoyed it. So I was like, and then I get nominated. So I was like, all right, I'm flattered. But uh, I was just, I had, to, I, I was just trying to, I also, I was just trying to say something to get Jerry to pump the brakes. That's all I was really doing. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's what it is. Uh, all right. So, who won Calcio Twitter? Unanimous winner, Martino Puccio. Well done, sir. Hands down, unanimous winner. Oh, my goodness. We're at international break, Frank. Yes, we are. Uh, yes, we are. So are you looking forward to these Nations League games for uh, for the Azzurri? I mean, I'll be, I'm, I always enjoy watching the Azzurri. Uh, am I going to be pumped for these games? No, not necessarily. But I do want to see how some of the players, uh, you know, some of the players that we want to see more of, how they do if they do play. Uh, I'm definitely going to be looking for that and uh, see, you know, see, you want to see obviously improvement from the team, but um, yeah, I'm just, uh, uh, believe it or not, I'm looking forward to talking Juventus next week with um, Giuseppe from Just Juve uh, next Thursday. That is uh, 
at uh, it's going to be an early time, Frank. Uh, it's 11 p.m. UK or, or Central European time. It's going to be 5 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Central time. So uh, it'll be early. We'll make sure we advertise that because uh, a little bit early. We want to accommodate our European friends. And what uh, day is this again? Thursday the 19th. Thursday the 19th. Excellent. So that's when we will be back on the air, folks. Yeah. Um, and we'll have a chance to uh, recap all of Italy's games, too. Uh Hosting uh, well, they play Estonia on a friendly tomorrow. Then they host Poland on the fifteenth, uh, and then they finish up at uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, looking at the standings uh, for Italy, if uh, they can beat Poland, they'll overtake them in first, and then control their own destiny for when they play Bosnia and Herzegovina to win uh, and be in the last four to make the last four of the Nations League. Uh, and a chance to possibly uh, get a trophy on the mantle. So, uh, but get that win against Poland, which I think they will do. Um, uh, it's going to be narrow. I think that that you know certainly Poland have a lot of talent and a lot of promising players. I think these guys are all going to be familiar with each other too. I'm going to give it a two-one win to Italy. Uh, the trip to Bosnia Herzegovina, I'll give that as a two-nil win to Italy, and I think that they get the six points out of this trip are out of this international break and they qualify uh, for the nation's league semifinals. What do you think? Yeah, no, I like all the score lines there. I think it'll be a entertaining one. And hopefully we get to see, get some more answers into the, what we're going to possibly see come, you know, the year of 2020 is technically yep. 2021. Yes, indeed. So, uh, so again, join us on Thursday, November 19th, five o'clock East, four o'clock central. Uh, we will have uh, uh uh, Giuseppe from uh, Just Juve, uh, and we will get into some Juventus talk. We will be nice to him. We will be nice to Juventus for one episode. Uh, you'll see Richard and I be very uncomfortable, uh, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> so, and with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Richard, shameless plug time. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than you know, obviously checking out the YouTube page, uh, definitely you can follow me anywhere at r underscore k h a r m a n, and uh, yeah, that's all I got for today. Uh, excellent. I'm at ftc underscore twenty one. That's where you can find me on Twitter. Um, check out uh, Man of the Match uh, on at Onside Radio. Our friend Alex Dono from Kelcho Connection is the host of that radio program. Covers all sports. Um, but, uh, in particular, uh, tune in on Friday at 2 PM Eastern when I appear on the show to discuss Syria with Alex and, uh, answer questions and, uh, go from there. So, uh, have enjoyed the uh, first couple segments that we've done. Looking forward to doing more. And, uh, uh, Alex, uh, shout out to you very much, uh, very much appreciative of you having me on your program. Um, City, I sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts. You can find City, I sit down uh, at City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram, also on Facebook. Um, not going to parlor just yet, pa- Richard. No, no, not so, yet. Not yet. Uh, we will probably send an exploratory committee out there to uh, see what the uh, uh, you know to see see what the audience is like. But uh, we've we've got enough social media to keep track of as it is. So that's right. That's right. Um, also, ways that you can help us: drop a like on this video if you enjoyed what you watched here. Uh, subscribe to the channel so you can get notifications of future episodes of Seria Sit Down, or if we come out with any video clips, um, you know something that I keep 
procrastinating, but uh, I'm going to do it <laughs> at some point. Uh, and I know that Richard has done a great job with videos in the past, so uh, we'll uh, we'll continue to do that too. So, uh, but meantime, any of those social media uh, channels where you can find us, any comments, questions, uh, anything that you want to see in future podcasts, uh, please uh, drop us a line. So, uh, chat. Thanks for joining us. Uh, entertaining as always. Uh, great stuff. And um, be ready to join us again on Thursday, November 19th at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, where we have our special guest. We talk some Juve. We'll wrap up some Italian national team and some more who won Calcio Twitter. Until then, for Richard, I'm Frank. As always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.